Hi, everybody, and welcome once again to the Freel Thing podcast with me, Greg Freel. Okay, folks, I have a very special guest. I said, all of my guests are super special and lovely and all very welcome here. Um, I just met Lisa last week and I was like, oh, I need to talk to this lady. She's got stories to tell. She is an author um, and four books so far. Yes. 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 And we're just going to dive straight into this. Um, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here with Lisa Miles. Um, very welcome, Lisa. For a quick 30 seconds for the folks at home on who you are right. and what it is that you do. Okay. Uh, so I'm Lisa Miles. I am now uh, an author. Um, I have written four books. Uh, and I'm actually today, just before the interview, I was starting on my fifth, which is a, another young adult fiction. Um, I have a background as a documentary filmmaker. Um, spent time in advertising production, lived in the States, lived in Canada, moved back to Scotland, and I'm also a certified family mediator and art therapist. We don't have the kind of time to go into all, all, all this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, whoa, there's a lot there. I'm very old. <laughs> not true at all. Not true at all. Because um, I was just going to say, oh, all right, okay, we've got a lot in common here because... Um, I spent some time growing up in the States um, when I was uh, just a lad and my uh, brothers live in Canada. So um, there's, you know, there's that uh, connection as well. Um, and I do video and yeah. all sorts of media stuff. So um, we're going to have to try and keep this short. So. Sure. No worries. <laughs> but I'm sure, you know, there'll be a thousand and one stories that we, we could go into. Um so what took you to where you, I mean, where you are right now, um, you're, you know, an author. Yes. Uh, and young young adult fiction, is that, that where, where we're sort of coaching? Um, well, two genre? things. I do young adult fiction and I'm also doing a cosy mystery series. So cosy mystery set in Edinburgh. Um, I, I call it cosy because it's about a fairly complicated woman. Uh, okay. She's she's not the sort of traditional female housewifey sleuth. Um, she's a bit more complicated than that. Has a sort of you know background of um, some slightly sleazy things that happened to her and that she participated okay. in. Um, and the, but then my young adult fiction. So because I've worked as a counselor and family mediator, um, and I've always been really fascinated by what makes people tick. I like books that are character driven. Um, so I don't mm -hmm. do blood and gore, I don't do swearing, but I do do gritty situations. So people find themselves in difficult situations. Right. So you kind of you bring the realism there, so that you know it's grounded in realism, but it's like we don't actually have to swear and kind of go into blood and gore to actually exactly. convey the story. Yeah. So bodies are found several, mm -hmm. um, but we don't describe you know what the what what's actually happened to them. Um, dare I dare I go as far as to say it? Um, and this is where you you're perfectly within your rights to shout at me um, <laughs> for me to make assumptions. But in my head, I'm kind of thinking Columbo or Murder She Wrote or the daytime kind of sleuth type thing, where it's not 
in the evening and you know we get the blood and gore and swearing and all this kind of stuff this is more it's a slightly more genteel approach would you say that that would it, be... It's genteel with edge, I would say. Right. So okay. a little bit, you know, because I'm, we're, we're now in 2021, so people do expect a little bit more than, yeah. than they would have done. Um, and, and certainly her character is um, not like Jessica. You know, she is, uh, mm-hmm. Rose is, is a very modern woman. She's exploring her own sexuality. She's um, independent. She spent some time in prison thanks to her ex-lover. So wow, okay. yeah, she's got she's got she's got edge to her. Mm, um, layers. But, yeah, but certainly like Columbo, um, it would seem like she's finding her way through as an amateur sleuth, um, and she but she gets there, right? She gets mm-hmm. there. She gets there by making maps. Um, because one of the other things that's happened to her, she used to be an airline. Well, she used to be a pilot in the RAF. And she wanted to go into space, but she has macular degeneration. So she's blind in one eye. Right, right, okay. Yeah, so that's quite Um, a lot about her, I suppose. I was just going to say, I mean, you're really kind of layering it on thick with with this poor woman. Um, (laughs) She's got loads to deal with here, Um, loads of baggage. So you've you've got these books, and that character's... Rose McLaren, am I right? Rose McLaren, yes. Right. Rose McLaren. So you have you have a series of books with Rose, am I right? So yeah. So um, there's two uh, so far. Two so far. That's that. Uh, well, um, Murder on Morrison is is currently out and available, mm-hmm. and A Game of Murder is uh, being launched on uh, August the first. Will be the publication day. Um, so but this is part of like a longer, like a saga that you're you're planning on doing here. Yeah, this is kind of I like have... your Harry Potter legacy, right? Yes, I have six <laughs> planned. Um, it's kind of interesting because I'm all like lots of writers. I'm always mining for information. Yeah, so yeah. recently, I was on a train down to, um, to to England to see some friends when we were all sort of unlocked, as mm-hmm. it were, and um, I got into conversation with a fellow sort of sitting in the same carriage and he was a diver um, but he lives in a cage with this dive it's a special type of diving that he does and he lives he, in a cage yes in the, when he's diving oh when he, he's diving he, he, might be he, he just <laughs> generally lived in a cage no he like didn't come on the train the with cage. a cage right okay was like, <laughs> that would be very graphic yeah Mm. <laughs> but we uh, so you know i was like oh that would be a really interesting murder mystery and his eyes looked li- you know lit up and he said yeah he said i've been in a three-month uh diving situation there have been six of us um so three are out diving three are there then the three of us go out diving he said and sometimes in those situations you do feel like murdering somebody so you never know that might be in a book too <laughs> mm. i mean I, I think this i this is, when I, whenever I meet fellow creatives, I think, you know, we 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 gravitate towards the same things. You know, you, we're people watchers, and you know, we're seeing, watching what's happening all around us. And I don't know about you, but I like I'll, I'll sit in a cafe or, you know, just be walking down the street and see people and imagine all sorts of scenarios in my head. All, all right, that that's, they're on a second date, you know, and you know, all this kind of stuff, and just kind of imagine what their occupation is and. And all, all that set of things. Um, presumably, I mean, this is like an occupational hazard with yourself. It is, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, so oftentimes my daughter will be saying, Mum, why do you get into conversations with everybody? <laughs> so, well, because they might, here's a character in one of my stories. Mm-hmm. You never know. 
You absolutely never know. And I mean, and, and that's the thing. It's it, it could just be a turn of phrase that somebody uses or something like that, that you kind of go, oh, yeah. oh, quite like that line. And, and then it just sparks all yeah. of this other stuff. Yeah. So, well, the way people move, the way that, you know, just like body expressions, oftentimes yeah. it's really interesting because you think, oh, the character that I'm writing about kind of moves like that. So, you know, mm-hmm. they become a study. It's not like you're borrowing from people or stealing from them it's just that you're observing and yeah mm-hmm. stealing um, <laughs> not, stealing, not stealing borrowing <laughs> of course um i won't tell anyone um right so let's go back to your first book which i believe was love bites yes now this isn't this isn't uh one of the the murder mystery ones this is something completely different yes yeah this is um this is uh seven short stories Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the stories, and I won't confess to which one, is autobiographical, um, and the other stories are all complete fiction. Um, okay. And they're... are they all about serial killing? I mean, this is this is what no. we need to know here. It's kind of like they're autobiographical. <laughs> I'm just not telling you where the bodies are. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, no, no. Um, there, there are a couple of murders in um, in Love okay. Bites. Um, there are. There's one story which happens um, during the pandemic, which is a very sensitive story about an older couple. Um, and there's a couple of other love stories. So they're, they're all based on intimate partner relationships. Right. Um, and I would say the good, the bad and the ugly of intimate partner relationships. Sorry, something you just said there. Um, I'm like, hold on a minute. You said set during the pandemic and that was your first book. So are you telling me that you've written four books <laughs> since the start of the pandemic? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Are they really short books? <laughs> no, well, no, not really short. I mean, Love Bites right. is, you know, seven short stories. Yeah. And the others uh, are all between oh, about 60,000 words. Yeah. Wow. So they're not short, short. Um, they're, they're not long, long. But when the pandemic hit, so I, I'd been practicing as a family mediator here in Scotland. Uh, right. Came back from Canada, set up as a family mediator. And... Um, I was planning to write. I've been planning to write for years, but one thing or another, sure. you know, cancer, children, everything got in the way. Uh, so I thought, well, now I'm here. I can, I can, I can write. So join some writing groups. And then when the pandemic hit, I thought, well, I can't mediate from my flat. <laughs> it mm-hmm. will be very difficult. And I don't feel comfortable doing it online. I did a couple online and I just didn't think it was the right thing to do. So I thought, well, I've been asking for the gift of time to write, and now I have it. So I picked up my pen and my computer and my endless notebooks, and I haven't mm-hmm. stopped. And all the stories have been flooding out. Yeah, That's something I've, I've noticed on your, your social media. And again, something that we have in common is countless notebooks. Um, I, I am obsessed with blank stationery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's just piles and piles of these books, and it, I don't know. I think it's I think it's just full of possibilities. Yeah, you know, it's just it's just like there's nothing there. It's the blank canvas, and you're kind of like, oh, you know, and then, and then you might get a really really nice notebook with it. You know, you can, I'll save that for something really really good. Yeah, and I end up just scribbling absolute piles of shite in it instead. 
<laughs> but, but that you know, shite will turn into a story, I tell you, you nev- it will. You never know. You never know. <laughs> So um, yeah, so that I mean that's a that's a hell of a work ethic in terms of just do you have a like a set regime that you kind of like okay between you know eight o'clock and ten I'm going to do two hours of writing and then I'm going to have a break and I'm you know or or do you just write when it takes you or just are you very very structured and organized? Yeah, um, I wish I could say I was structured and organized, but mostly what happens because I do have a part time job. I I train for an organization 15 hours a week. So normally I'd be going out to organizations to to do the training. But of course, I'm doing it from home. Mm -hmm. So normally what happens is at six in the morning when my cat, my youngest cat just says it's time for food. um, I don't put on the radio. So I used to be a news junkie. And then I then I I couldn't bear it anymore. I couldn't bear all the sort of waffle and and lies, basically. So I at six o'clock in the morning, I fed the cats. I make a big cup of tea and I sit either in bed or on my sofa or my dining table. And I'll write for um, maybe a couple of hours if it's a work training day. Mm -hmm. Um, If it's not a work training day, I could be here until noon and then get up and move around and uh, uh, and then come back to it in the afternoon. Yeah. How objective are you with your own writing? Um, you know, do you, do you kind of write pages and pages and pages and then, okay, that's good, that's fine, that's fine. Or are you kind of self-editing along the way? I self-edit, I do. So if I've written, say I've written a couple of thousand words um, on Tuesday, I'll give it till Thursday and uh, read it. Um, I may keep some, I may dump some, I may dump the whole lot. Uh, I may just sort of, you know, move it all around or think, um, I'm not sure. Uh, so some days it's like, oh, I'll read what, that's, that was really good. (laughs) That was really good. Um, so I try not to edit in the moment because that's never a good, good thing, but I do work with an editor. So after the story's finished, um, I've had a couple of beta readers go through it, uh, usually whilst I'm writing, and they give me feedback while I'm writing. And then I pay a woman uh, called Mary Turner Thompson, who's an author herself. Um, and then she does the sort of, you know, uh, real uh, sort of hard nosed editing, if you if you like, and tells yeah. me if it's crap or if it's if it's OK. Or that that doesn't seem quite right when that character does that. and. Yeah, and and she'll help me move things around or she'll ask me questions like because the other thing I do because I'm I'm often writing very quickly in my head. I know what's happened and then she'll say the reader needs to know what's going Mm. on here. You know, even one line will help us transition. Yeah. So that's something that uh, I've I've learned. Whenever you're starting a, a new book, do you have a general outline or you know structure are you somebody that's kind of like i've got you map out the whole structure and you kind of go down to you know beginning middle and an end and you've got your chapters you know or is it something that happens just kind of it's a free-flowing organic thing and you're like yeah i kind of have an idea about what what i'm right about but it's not fully formed it's not fully formed it's really organic and told by the characters and interestingly, what happened with A Game of Murder was I I'd started writing A Game of Murder and I thought, I'm going to plan this a little bit better. I'm actually going to sort of plan it out. So I planned it out and had all the sort of, you know, this is what's going to happen and this is the main storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the middle of it all, I had a, I had a diagnosis for breast cancer. <laughs> right. 
Yes, that's not so good. So I had to take a break. And then when I went back to it, I, I thought, this is just rubbish. I mean, I, I like the premise. I like that it's set at the Edinburgh Fringe. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the characters, it's kind of like they weren't speaking to me. You know, it was as if they'd all, you know, folded their arms and said, well, we don't like this either. Thanks very much. Yeah. This is our second outing. You better not screw this up. So I had to go back to the beginning and listen to them, and then I rewrote it. And it's it's. A Did much you literally book. just bend everything you had and start again? It was pretty much, yeah, pretty yeah. much, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I wrote it really quickly. Oh, yeah. It was amazing because then it just, then it flowed. But it was because I and then I got to kind of a, a part of it, and I thought I don't know what the ending is, and they all said it's because we know what the ending is, but we. We're not going to tell you. Mm-hmm. You have to ask more questions. So I then become like the sleuth and I'm asking questions and then I'm writing. Yeah. Yeah. And then kind of the yeah. ending reveals itself. The ending reveals itself. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, so let's let's go way, way back. I mean, you know, we said at the start that you, you've, you've done a, a bit of traveling. Yeah. Uh, you've been in the States and, and, and Canada. Um, in your previous life um documentary filmmaking yes um tell me a little bit about that well that was um that was a wonderful part of my life actually i worked for a a bb i was working for the bbc and uh working in on the children in need um program and Mm -hmm. um i wrote a sort of an idea for a documentary which i took to my boss at the beeb and he said send it down to television south um, and it, the, the story was about uh, Romania and what was going on. So Romania at that time, this was pre-1989, before everything fell down mm-hmm. uh, and opened up. So uh, I read about some young men going into Romania and smuggling equipment to a priest in uh, Timisoara. Uh, and so I sent it to TBS and they loved it and said, yes, go out to Romania and make the documentary well I never made a documentary in my life so <laughs> I said okay then <laughs> off I went with my little mm-hmm. camera um, hiding in the back of this van where these guys were smuggling things into Timisoara wow and then TVS hired me uh, and they trained me to make uh, documentaries so I worked with them on a program called Highway with Harry Seacombe you're way too young to remember that program. I actually remember it <laughs> I do, I, know, I do know the program you're talking about. Uh, it, you know, that was, working with Harry Seacombe was amazing. It really oh, absolute was. Absolute legend, was, yeah. Oh, he was such a, he was a real sweetheart. He really was, and very kind to me. Um, and so then I made several other documentaries for Television South. They were called The Human Factor. So they were uh, human interest stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I went out to Africa, went to various other places, but a lot were made in, in the UK. Um, about different people. Helen Shapiro, I made her story. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, which she loved, she said it was one of the, the best things that uh, anybody had done about her. So, yeah. Uh, so how long did you do that for? I did that until Mrs. Thatcher ended my career. <laughs> okay. A little bit of politics, a little bit of age. Well, <laughs> you know, the, the woman, that, that woman. Uh-huh. Um, what was interesting was I actually sang in a church choir at St. Michael's Chester Square. And she lived... Um, in Chester Square in London and she came right. to that church um, and so 
what she was doing, she was really angry with the ITV networks because they'd released a documentary um, about um, Gibraltar. Right. And um, I think it was called Death on the Rock or something. Yes, I remember, uh, yes, yeah, I remember, you remember very famous, that. Yeah. And so she decided to bring her acts down on the t- ITV networks. And the ITV networks uh, had to bid for their franchises, and TVS lost its franchise, basically. Uh, yeah. So that was um, that was interesting. So I did do some freelancing in the TV world mm. as a researcher, um, but I found not working within the sort of department and having mm-hmm. the support and the mentoring. Yeah. I found it like swimming with sharks, to be honest with you, and I didn't really like it so yeah, yeah I, th- I think all of the media is a bit like that you know mm-hmm. um it's, it's nice to have the backup of you know an organization there yeah. and you know the people there in the the back rooms to kind of having that support structure absolutely um, yeah whereas like like you say whenever you're out there on your own you're kind of like who do i trust yeah who are the people i can really rely on you know yeah, yeah. um so so after the that, that period what, what was um next for you after that um, I, uh, had, well, I was make, so I was making a, a program uh, at, at Parkhurst Prison. Um, it was one of the last things that I worked on <clears throat> with um, with Highway. And uh, I, when I went into the prison, I met an art therapist. And I have to confess, my um, I was a bit left politically, but I was a bit right when it came to people in prison because I thought they were very all going to be very scary. Uh, and going into Parkhurst and meeting the art therapist and meeting several amazing and very talented young uh, men uh, in mm-hmm. the prison who had gone through the art therapy program and learning about their lives, I decided that looks like a really interesting career. So I went to a school in London and did a master or postgraduate diploma in expressive arts therapy and set up a a charitable trust in London. And we worked in five of the UK London prisons, um, offering art therapy, expressive arts therapy. Um, So, yeah. And then then I went off to Canada. Then you went off to Canada. Whereabouts in Canada were you? I was in British Columbia in a place called Victoria on Vancouver Island, which is the most, is the jewel in the crown. It's just Mm -hmm. gorgeous, absolutely Mm -hmm. wonderful. Yeah, my brothers are in um, Toronto. Um, but um, I, I actually haven't been to British Columbia. I think it's something I'd really like to. You should go. To, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely um, no, the place to be. Mm-hmm. So how long were you in Canada for? I was there for twenty-one years. Wow. Yeah. So. Because okay. I can hear, I can hear a little bit of. A little bit of Canadian. <laughs> a little bit of Canadian in your outs and abouts. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so you, you came back here. Um, where does this coincide with you know the, the start of you know uh, your sort of your current circumstances and what, and what you're doing of writing. Uh, writing with yeah yeah so well as I say when I when I came back in 2017 the my plan was okay I'm no longer a single mum raising raising two daughters I'll move back to Scotland my youngest daughter is actually over in the UK and she's going to Stirling Uni to study psychology. Um, so I said, I'll, I'll work part time, uh, and then I'll, and then I'll write. Um, and then of course I set up the mediation practice, which took a bit of time to, to develop and build. Um, so it was finally when the pandemic hit, it's like, why am I faffing around? Why am I, you know, sort of putting off what I came to do? Um, mm-hmm. 
So I'm, I'm actually now enrolled at Stirling University myself on the MLib oh, right, programme okay. for writing. Uh, so my daughter's not happy that her mum's going course, to the no, same you, university. You'll be totally cramping her style. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll just be more fun, actually. It's the worst possible situation. <laughs> so why are you here? Man? There's my mother in the bar. Oh, my exactly. God. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, so on your current journey now, um, you know, uh, as an author, um, you know, we, we said before, you know, you're planning on writing a series um, of these, these murder mystery novels. Yeah. Um, now, I know that you... You're, you're kind of quite free form in terms of your, you know, actual writing a particular book. But do you have a general outline and an idea of where you're taking the character over those six six books? I do. I mean, certainly her struggle with her eye condition is something that she has to grapple with. Um, she also has to grapple with a quite complicated relationship with her father. Mm-hmm. Uh, her father was always disappointed in in her because. Um, he'd wanted a boy she was a girl and then of course she did all the things that he didn't want her to do she joined the RAF as opposed to working for him in his um, mechanical car fixing garage Um, so that that, so as I say I'm because I'm very character driven I build in the into the the story all about the relationships that that happen She's um, also exploring her sexuality throughout the books as well and deciding if she is heterosexual or homosexual or asexual. She's not quite, yeah. she's not quite sure. Yeah. Well, obviously an extremely contemporary, um, you know, look at the world, yeah. um, especially for you know, young adults um, mm. at the moment. Um, so going forward, do you, I mean, are you, are you thinking I've got, the, I've got these books? Is there is there something else? I always I always think of, you know, writers um, like some of my favorite writers like Anne Rice is uh, a favorite writer of mine and uh, Ian Rankin who I love. Mm, I love um, Ian Rankin. He's replying yeah. to my tweets at the moment. He he just seems like a really cool guy. <laughs> Super isn't he? Nice just, man. Yeah, um, <clears throat> and he's just I love the way he writes characters. You know, yeah. and, and and dialogue. It's just it's so natural. Yeah. Um, you know, it's very much that kind of thing um do is is that something that you know you would like to do and you know look with Ian Rankin obviously he's got the character of Rebus and which is just going on and on and and the thing that's fascinating with that character is that it's you know 20 at least 20 25 years isn't that yeah easily um um and you know just to be able to see that that character growing old and, and then changing you know you know all of the relationships around him and all that kind of stuff there's just there's the familiarity of all all the characters that, that fly in and out um is that something that interests you going forward i mean i know you're saying you've got these six books but maybe is that is this maybe your flagship character for these but for maybe other books going forward or is is there something else beyond that or do you just not know at this stage um, so I think with Rose, I, I don't know how, I mean, I, I'm sort of saying that there'll be six because I, I have the six stories in my, in my mind and it may be that there is, there is more of Rose. Um, the book series that I'm just starting today, actually, well, not today, but the other day I, I started plotting it out. You should have been writing today. <laughs> I have been writing and then I took myself off for lunch. Oops. 
Oops, yeah. <laughs> um, so Daisy is uh, a young girl. She's 12 when we first meet her. And um, these are stories for young people, but they could also be for adults and will have uh, so some fantasy. But the problems that she deals with in the fantasy, as well as the issue of her own very, very sort of odd family who are the, her mum and dad are academics who mm-hmm. know very little warmth. Um, right. uh, but she finds her way. So she is a very strong protagonist. So I'm hoping that will encourage um, young, uh, young girls to think, yeah, I can find my way through difficult situations mm-hmm. and, and stand up to danger, uh, which we... is what the protagonist in My Life's Not Funny does as well. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, now, Lisa, you're, you're somebody who's very supportive of other writers. Mm. Um, and now is this, is this through a podcast that you do or is it a radio show or what what's the format? Um, so I do, uh, writers read, um, and, uh, so we do it actually on, on zoom. Uh, mm-hmm. I usually have two writers come on and read from their work. And then I just chat to them in front of the zoom audience, um, about, you know, how, why they, why they write, what they love to write and uh, just give them some exposure. I really started that because I felt that there is a, there are a lot of independent authors, um, as well as the more well-known ones. So I have a mixture of well-known and independent authors. So I wanted to give a platform to people who mm-hmm. you don't, don't get on mainstream media and, uh, get their stories out there as well. Excellent. Um, obviously, I'll be annoying you about that um, because my brother um, wrote a book last year. Yep. Um, so you need to talk to him. Obviously, I would be happy to talk to him. Uh, Absolutely. Obviously, it's going to happen. <laughs> you don't. Have, you don't. You don't actually really get to to say no. It's there's just, no choice. No, there's just, no. Okay. Um, right. Lisa, thank you very much for for joining me this afternoon. I know it's it's a glorious sunny day, um, and we're trying to make the most of the weather while it lasts because it never will absolutely Um, no no, there's no guarantees at all scotland um but thank you so much for joining me today and best of luck with uh, a game of murder when it comes out and i'll make sure that i plug that as much as i can wonderful and i I shall talk to you soon thank you very much wonderful lovely and have a blessed afternoon and uh, i'm going to head out for a cup of tea or a white wine spritzer who knows i'd go for the latter (laughs) okay bye-bye take care (laughs) bye-bye